I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. Welcome back to another episode of Ginger and Dutch here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Busy time in sports. We've got a lot going on. MLS soccer playoffs in the midst of it. Uh, round two after we got through the uh, the first round uh, over the last few days. MLB baseball free agency still floating around out there. Some big names to be had. What everybody's talking about. NBA free agency draft is finished. Everybody's getting their pre-draft grades and free agency. Dutch, come on in here. What do you think? Yeah, it was exciting. Uh, lots of lots of things happening in the NBA, and um, we'll get into your draft selections shortly. Um, but you know, more importantly, you know, you landed another awesome, awesome interview. I'm I'm excited to hear your one-on-one interview with uh, the Detroit Lions beat writer um, Dave Burkett. Um, I can't wait to hear what he's got to say. We got th- Thanksgiving coming up. Detroit Lions are playing, so I- I'm just curious to what he's got to say. But yeah, uh, crazy, crazy stuff with with free agency. What, what were your thoughts on it, Jens? You know what? What I loved about the MB- NBA free agency was it was the first sport in a long, long time that I was excited for free agency. The only real sport that I you know really get it jacked up for is the NFL because there's just so much going on and, and so many moving parts with so many guys. But this year with, I don't know if it was because the draft was happening at the same time and it was, it was the draft and then free agency two nights later. And, you know, you're trying to keep track, but there was a lot of guys moving around a lot of trades, um, still some big names out there. So it was fun. It was a lot, a lot of fun. It was nice to have, uh, something like that go down in, in obviously uh, some tough times in this pandemic. And I absolutely loved it. Good. Yeah, me too. I think I thought it was amazing. And I'm just happy to see that um, there was a fair amount of movement, which was, we w- was to be expected, but um, I'm happy for our boy, for our beloved Raptors. I'm happy for, uh, for Freddie landing this contract and we're keeping him home as a, uh, as a uh, former champs. And I'm excited for that. So um, I got a few, team slash uh, free agents that that I want to um, you know kind of throw at you and tell me what your thoughts are so why don't we start with the first one which is exactly what I just said four years 85 million you know well deserved uh, you know he's going to be the heir apparent to to Kyle Lowry um, you know they still need another piece um, I wasn't sold on on their their other pickups the big boy uh, uh, Bain um, but I did like their draft pick I, I, I really like the Malachi Flynn out of um, San Diego State, State. Uh, yep. point guard, same size, same style as uh, as Freddie. Uh, could be a good uh, could be a good thing. So I'm really happy for uh, for, and I think they got got him for the right right price. Yeah, I think you know I was talking off air with with some some friends and and I thought the Raptors front office Bobby Webster, Masai Ujiri did the best they possibly could. Listen. Um, you want to keep Freddie, you kept Freddie at a reasonable price, allowed you to be flexible in 2021 for the big fish possibly coming out. Um, you're damn right they offered Serge Ibaka $12 million, $13 million on a one-year deal, overpaying him. Um, he didn't want to stay. He, he's looking further down into his career uh, post-basketball with, with some of these clothes and fashion stuff. He wanted to go to L.A. He walked out the door, okay, can we argue that you could have got Tristan Thompson, Hassan Whiteside? Um, yeah, you could have got maybe one of those two guys if they wanted to come here. But you know what? You got uh, you got Baines. You got Len as a backup big. You got Boucher, another homegrown guy that you've built up and developed. I thought I thought Masai and Bobby did the best they possibly could with that with the hand that they were dealt. Yeah, well said. Well said. Um... Still want to know where my other uh, my other big uh, my other big center is going to go because uh, Miami didn't lock him down. So, but that's for another conversation. Uh, I do like what they did, and you're right; um, they are still in the hunt for uh, the biggest name coming out next year, which we all know who that is. Um, want to talk the Charlotte Hornets? I'm not sure. I'm I'm sold on Gordon Hayward and 
just a massive contract for your 120 million. I think it was overpaid in my opinion. You know, I know, you know, he wasn't the, the big man. He was third or fourth option at, at times uh, with the Celtics. Um, and in Charlotte, he's, he's pretty much going to be the number one. A, let's see if he can handle the role. Um, I think, um, and I was talking to one of my friends off air as well, and I agree, uh, I think they uh, Jordan's going to regret paying that much for him. Risky move. There's, there's no doubt that's a risky move. One of those, um, you know, high rewards if it pays off, but Coming off the injury, uh, I just don't know. I just don't know if that was the move. I I thought they were they were going to surprise everybody. Like I said on the last week's podcast, and go after like a Westbrook and make a make a move there. But uh, Gordon Hayward was their man, and now they're made their bed. They're going to have to lie in it. Agreed, agreed, big time. Um, what about some huge winners? The Los Angeles Lakers. Um, they they just got better. Uh, okay, they lost Dwight Howard, but they just gained six man of the year, which we talked about last week. And Montrezl Harrell thought that was great. And he reportedly declined more money just to go to the champs. So, um, you know, they filled Denny Green's spot. Uh, although wherever Denny Green goes, he seems to win championships because that's his third one, even though he didn't really do too much with the Lakers. They filled that spot with Wesley Matthews. Yep. Pretty much the same player, in my opinion. Um, yeah, and, underrated, underrated there for sure, Dutch. Yeah, and let's not forget uh, a little sneaky guy who I actually really like and I enjoy watching him play. Uh, picking up Dennis Schroeder was uh, was a big uh, a big move from K- from OKC. And another underrated move you kept, which turned out to fill Danny Green's role during that championship run, is uh, Catavius Caldwell Pope. Yeah, you were able to to re-sign him, which is a nice piece he's developed as well. Um, they were not my number one winner, Stutch. Gasol, was, yeah, was, Gasol as well. We didn't even say that. Gasol as well, yep. right? Yeah. Yep. So, and all you lost was Rondo. That's the only real big piece in that championship run that you lost. Rondo's, Rondo's moved on. But, uh, yeah, I, I love what the Lakers did, especially uh, down the hall with the Clippers scrambling around. Um, love what the Lakers did. Yeah, I got one more for you too. And I and I, I think, you know, and I'm going to go on, on record and saying that I, I think – this team is is starting to build themselves uh, at least into a playoff spot, and I, I think they're going to uh, make the playoffs uh, this year, and that's the Atlanta Hawks. I, I, I love, you know, uh, Danilo Gallinari, three years, lock him up for 60-plus million. Um, that just made their team a whole lot better. They they sneak in and, and grab Rajon Rondo. I know you're you're not sold on him crazy, crazy, but, you know, that's a nice backcourt to go alongside my boy uh, Trey Young. Not to mention Capella, Collins. This team's gonna be fun to watch. You want scoring? Yep. They're they're gonna be fast. They will score in bunches. It's gonna be a good year for a you know, and I just hope that they can support it because uh, they don't do that well, Atlanta, in uh, supporting their teams. We all know that. Yeah, and and you also you know you got Chris Dunn coming over from from the Bulls as well, and they got. Uh, Depending, just read right now actually that the Kings are looking at matching the deal that uh, Atlanta's offered for uh, Bogdanovich. Um, so he might not go there, but if he does, you've got uh, the big Bogman and you've got Gallinari and all the pieces that you just said. This is the rebuilding of the Atlanta Hawks, and this could be the best Hawks squad that we may see since uh, Dominique Wilkins. I couldn't agree more. It's exciting, and let's see if they can land uh, land the other big man. Um, if they do, you know, I had them in, already in at like a four through six seed, possibly in the East, so um, that would make them definitely uh, a top five uh, by landing him. So um, one more, just last one more real quickly. Nothing crazy, but I also thought, you know, with the Utah Jazz there, Derek Favors, I love that pickup, three years. Uh, 20 again he was 27 mil uh, you know they re-upped Jordan Clarkson uh, they got Mike Conley staying so the Utah Jazz are going to be solid they're not they can't contend in the uh, in the west in my opinion but um, it solidifies their spot as a as a bona fide playoff team for sure yeah I think uh, they're going to be they're going to be right in that mix and I do like the favors move as well uh, but I just don't see the big move to push them over the top I just kind of see him being there again and and you know to me in free agency you want to make those big swings and either rebuild it or um 
you know, make that move to push you over the top. I don't know if the Jazz did that. Yeah, I I agree, and that's why I think that they stay there. But at least they've just, you know, they did what they, you know, just like you said with the Raptors, they uh, they did what they um, could do in that situation with the draft with the uh, with the draft coming up and w- with all the other free agents so i'm i'm happy that they they did what they did we'll see where it, where it leads them to but i can't see them being any better than five six as well on to the draft uh well i did say uh ginger i was gonna grade you and you know after over and over you know i saw you flip your board six seven eight times unlike your ncaa march madness pool where you just lock it in you were all over the map and it clearly it showed you nailed the first three uh, although you didn't have the right teams, but um, you shit the bet on the remaining. Uh, it was a crapshoot, eh? Oh, it was. Yeah, it was all over. You know what? What I thought was going to happen more in the draft is I thought there'd be more um, trades, more teams moving up, moving back, um, kind of wheeling and dealing and sticking with the whole um, free agency and the theme of you know that whole lead up to the draft, you know, everything happened on Sunday, you know, guys going here, pre um, pre signings here, all this type of stuff. And I thought that would have just carried right over into the draft, but it kind of just stuck um, to chalk and everybody kind of made their picks and yeah, I got the first three, but after that, it's just like Tim Reynolds told me, just a futile exercise that I probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> well, and you know what else we, we butchered and, and that's uh, my friends is, is due to, missing out on March Madness and that's a couple of the names because we got beat up on social media about our uh, um, our uh, our names and our pronunciations uh, so for the record it's Obi Toppin okay not Obi Topin or Topin which was what we called them so <laughs> anyways uh, yeah it was a tough uh, a tough go but I will say I, I, I did do my re- recruiting and I did do my research and, and my boy, Alexi uh, Pokazowski, he went 17th, which is right around where I find Tim said he was going to go down in the second round or he thought it wouldn't be a surprise, but um, so we do know a little bit. Yeah. And it's uh Hey, when it's recording and it's on air live, it's a lot tougher than, uh, than it uh, when you're listening to it and you've got time to think about it. You right? are so right. You are so right. So I know we're going to talk. Uh, we've got Dave Burkett coming on from uh, the Detroit Lions, but I wanted to throw another couple winners in on top of uh, what you had it on, on your side because I did agree with a lot of them. But how about the Detroit Pistons? Jeremiah Grant coming over from Denver. Mason Plumley, Jaheel Okafor, Josh Jackson, Wayne Ellington tonight. All you lost was Christian Wood. Have the Pistons not rebuilt here and at least – you know, I'm not. I'm not saying they're going to be top five, but at least rebuild themselves to be competitive. And Dwayne Casey's at least got some sort of talent here to deal with. Um, and you've still got Blake Griffin in the fold. Yeah, and, and and that's the name. I wish you just didn't mention at the end where there was Blake Griffin because I I do like all of their pickups. I I, I think they've really changed their whole entire style, and um, that's obviously Dwayne Casey's influence as well on how they want to continue to run with the Pistons but there's just no marquee name there I know you're gonna say Blake Griffin but I just don't think he's a marquee name and and that's why he was let go out of the west and that's why he's where he is um I'll agree that they're gonna be more competitive um are they uh are they a playoff team well that's gonna be remain uh, remain to be seen I I don't know if they're quite there all the way to the top and what about those New Orleans Pelicans signed Brandon Ingram Tonight, a couple hours ago, to a max deal, you've got Zion, and I just want to read you off what they've got coming up here in the next couple drafts. They've in the next three drafts, Dutch. They've got five first round picks and five second round picks. That's ten picks in the next three drafts. That's over three picks a draft. So that's almost doubling up each draft. They're going to be able to build here around Ingram and Zion. They'll be able to get some pieces that can come in together. I think the New Orleans Pelicans have done a hell of a job with a bunch of different trades to set themselves up to build around Zion and Ingram. I think the Pelicans are going to be a contender here in the next three to five years. And if they can hit a draft, uh, hit a pick or two on the draft, 
I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Ingram got paid, and boy, did he ever get paid. It was excessive. A max deal. Yeah, 150 max. Uh, and uh, I don't know exactly how the uh, NBA contracts work, but you got Zion for a couple more years for sure on his rookie contract. So, um, yeah, you make a couple big picks there. They got some little other pieces in the puzzle. Within two years, they, they could be contending for uh, – for the class of the West. Awesome. I love it. And being able to do that in one off season, well done to the new Orleans Pelicans. All right, Dutch, let's send her off to break. Make sure all of our uh, listeners out there are following on, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ginger and Dutch one. And when we come back from break, we're going to get right into the interview with Mr. Dave Burkett, Detroit lions beat writer, He's going to have some wicked things to say. He's actually a quick little fact. He's a Hall of Fame voter for Detroit. So um, we're going to dive into that with him and Detroit Lions football coming up for Turkey Day Thanksgiving in America. We'll catch you on the flip side. I cannot believe these guys picked me to do their next ad. They're lucky they wrote me something to say because if it were up to me, I would expose them for who they really are. They think they can talk NFL football. Look at them. One guy has red hair and glasses and cheers for the Bills, and the other guy has ears the size of Dumbo and is a Vikings fan. Give me a break, guys. Fantasy football, they know nothing. I am a back-to-back champion and own their league. Ginger and Dutch? More like a loser and sucks. Oh shit, did I just send them this ad? Ah, well. You are now listening to the Ginger and Dutch podcast, where real-life sports passion meets real-life sports talk. Welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from Ginger and Dutch. We're going to get right into it here. we got three massive football games coming up, American Thanksgiving, and uh, we're going to get the, uh, the temperature of one of those uh, football teams, a traditional Thursday Thanksgiving football team, and that's the Detroit Lions. Listeners, we got uh, Mr. Dave Burkett coming on, MSU grad, Lions beat writer for the Detroit Press since 2010. Hall of Fame voter, actually, three-time Michigan Sports Writer of the Year. Dave, are you on the line with us? I'm here. You're too kind with your introduction. Uh, no worries. We're, uh, we're just excited to have you on there and get a feel for, uh, for what's happening down there in Detroit. So um, give our listeners a feel for uh, you know a tough loss last week and uh, what the temperature is in Detroit from a fan's perspective to management, to the team, to ownership. Uh, what's the feel like down there going into a big uh, Thanksgiving Turkey Bowl game? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, well, frankly, a lot of people are sort of fed up with with where this team is right now. You know, it's uh, you look back at the last two and a half years, really, and, um, you know, this this team has not progressed. I mean, they they fired Jim Caldwell into the 2017 season, hired Matt Patricia, expecting to take a step forward. And and that has not happened. You know, they, uh, you know, six wins the next year, three wins last year, and, and now they're on track for another losing season. So, a lot of fans are sort of counting down the days to the end of the Matt Patricia era, but, you know, internally, look, there's, there's six games left and, and they hope that maybe uh, having a good game here on Thanksgiving can, can be the springboard uh, to some, some better success in December. Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, they've got some, this is another winnable game here uh, on Thursday and then they get into a tougher stretch of their schedules. They, they hit December, with the Packers, Titans, Bucks, and and uh, the divisional game to wrap out the year against Minnesota, is there any way that this team can uh, can lift off the mat here and make some sort of run? They got a break last night on Monday Night Football with the Bucks losing, um, so they're not completely out of it yet. But uh, what's your feel for it? Yeah, look, I I, I don't see it personally. I mean, uh, you know, we I think um, you know after the bye, we sort of looked at that stretch of 
really six teams and, and, you know, just about all of them had losing records. And, and we said, you know, they needed to go five and one, really seven games, I guess the, the, the Colts uh, were the team with the winning record in there and, and they needed to, to, you know, at least win five of those, the six against losing records, you know, maybe all six of them to, to have a shot. And, you know, here we are, they've gone three and three in their last six games. So, um, you know, this, this certainly is a winnable game on Thursday, but it's going to be hard for the Lions to, to make any noise and, and really be legitimate playoff contenders in December, given the, the schedule had not just the Bucks, but, uh, you know, the, the Packers again, they, they play the Bears, they play the Vikings who really had their number and they play the Tennessee Titans, too. So um, never say never, but uh, certainly not counting on it. Yeah. And as, as we you know, play this, this season out and we, and we see how it unfolds. And, you know, if it, if it continues, like you said, down a path of another losing season here under, under Patricia, what, what's the outlook of this team? You know, you've got uh, an aging Matt Stafford, who's got a lot of miles, miles on the tire, a couple of years left, 11 seasons in a couple of years left on a contract. Um, you've got Jones and Galladay. Uh, what's going to happen with them at receiver. And then you've got some high priced, kind of hired agents that Patricia specifically brought into this football team to perform under his system. Um, what's the, the long-term outlook here for Detroit or is it bleak and, and we're looking at a, a rebuild type of situation? You know, I wrote this back in September where um, it, it sort of looked like the Lions were coming to at least what I think is the biggest crossroads since the, the, the 2008, you know, season, the end of that season, 2009, because, you know, really, and, and who knows how it plays out, but you could have a coaching change. You know, you could have a general manager change with Bob Quinn. He's the one who, who brought Matt Patricia in. And, yep, you know, yep. frankly, you, you could have a quarterback change. I mean, I, I don't see it. I think the Lions, they're probably not going to be in position to to draft one of those those top guys. But, you know, depending on where they are, maybe they do take a young quarterback in the draft or maybe the, the next regime wants to go in a different direction. So, you know, Matthew Stafford, 12 years in, the Lions have not won anything with him as quarterback. Um, I certainly think, you know, he, he hasn't been the, you know, the, the biggest part of the problem. But, you know, he, he has been here for 12 years. And just like I said off the top, that people want to change at, at coach. There's a lot of people that want to change at quarterback, too, and just kind of want this whole organization to, to start anew. So, um, they, you know, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with that. But, again, I, I think the Lions are really at, at arguably the biggest crossroads, at least since that 0-16 season. Yeah, that's un- unbelievable. It'll be interesting to see how it how it plays out uh, here in the rest of the year and and into the off season. How hot? Give our give our listeners a good feel. How hot is that seat for Patricia and Quinn right now? Um, are they mutually exclusive? Are they tied together? Or um, do you think management's ready to clear house on both of them? Or do you think one can stay and the other one goes? Or how do you how do you what's the feel for that? Yeah, I mean, I think you know. Uh... Matt Patricia sitting on an inferno. I mean, frankly, you know, had they lost to Washington, I, um, you know, I would have expected him to get fired after that game. You know, they, they, they held on um, nearly, nearly blew that game to a, a bad Washington team. And then went out and lose lost last week, uh, you know, against a, a Carolina team that that's not very good, but you're certainly not going to make a move on a short week like this heading into Thanksgiving. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Matt's days are numbered, but again, you know, they, they win this week, you know, maybe who knows, they, they beat the bears next week. All of a sudden, you know, you, you got the, the rest of the season to try to, you know, scrap something together and, and, and we'll see where it finishes. And I, you know, I, I think Quinn is, you know, he's on a, a very hot seat too. I don't, I don't know if it's quite as hot as Matt Patricia's and, you know, my understanding is, you know, the Lions were going to wait um, till the end of the, the season to make a decision on him, you know, to evaluate him, I guess, ownership, I should say. Um, we'll, we'll wait till the end of the season on that. So uh, in, in theory, they, they could be, you know, um, mutually exclusive. One could come back and not the other. But uh, I think it would be tough for ownership to to uh, to go in that direction and, and, and not part ways with both of them if they do uh, decide to make a move. Yeah, it would be a tough tough explanation to a to a diehard fan base to to not you know go with the wholesale change there in in your eyes what's the most disappointing part of this Patricia era you know from afar for what I've seen here um being in Toronto and and being more of a Bills fan and seeing more of that stuff from from Buffalo and seeing the progression of of Josh Allen and some of those players is um just the lack of development from the player's perspective that we haven't seen players get better. You know, Jeff Okuda comes in with, uh, with a top pick here, uh, I believe third overall in this year's draft. And he just hasn't developed, hasn't, hasn't moved forward, has, you know, been the same player he was 
uh, coming out. You know, am I right with that, or or is there something else, with, whether it be game management, uh, clock management, something else on Patricia's side? But what's the most dis- disappointing or disheartening thing from his era, um, from your eyes? Well, I'd give I'd give Okuda a little bit of a pass. I mean, a rookie, you know, coming in with with the the year the way that it is with with Corona and, and everything. Yep. Um, you know, no training camp, really, no no preseason. I didn't expect a, a ton from him, though. You would like to see a little bit more from the number three pick in the draft, but um, I, I think it's it's just, and maybe this is is a little too broad, but really, it's you know, I, I looked at the numbers yesterday. They haven't improved anywhere under Matt Patricia, and that's the thing that's that's most mind boggling. I mean, look, I don't I don't have a problem with Lions moving on from from Jim Caldwell. I mean, he was well liked in the locker room. Um, certainly did some good things to you know take this team to the playoffs twice, uh, but. You know, I didn't see the organization progressing under him either. You know, they had they started off eleven and five, and then they were sort of in that same you know boat where they they just they couldn't beat good teams, and they were sort of hanging around the playoff race, and it wasn't good enough. You wanted this organization to to take a step forward, and that's what you know Bob Quinn sold when he hired Matt Patricia was, hey, you know, this is the guy that's that's going to be able to get us over the hump and and win some of these big games and and be a and, and a, a team that annually competes for the playoffs and they are worse defensively. They are worse offensively. Uh, you know, maybe they're better special teams wise. So we'll give them that, but, but, you know, run defense, pass defense, rush offense, pass offense. I mean, they just have not improved anywhere. So to me, it's been a total fail. Uh, well, let's, let's switch off the lines now and we'll, we'll obviously wish them good luck. And uh, I know you'll be watching and enjoying uh, on Thursday. Um, but uh, a cool little fact for our listeners, and I really thought this was cool, was you actually have a vote for the Hall of Fame. And someone near and dear and close to you that, that you've had on your podcast and, and um, you know, had dealings with is, is Calvin Johnson. Uh, just actually tonight got uh, voted through to the semifinals. You're a Hall of Fame voter. Tell us how that came about, what's involved, and what you think of Calvin Johnson's chances to be uh, a first ballot here. Yeah, well, look, first on, on me, I mean, I, I think this will be my, what, sixth year maybe, uh, you know, voting, sitting in that room and, and making these votes. And, uh, you know, look, it, there's one voter in every NFL city. I happen to be the Detroit voter, and then there's 16 at-large voters, 48 of us total. So, you know, it's definitely an honor to, to be in this, uh, you know, the small fraternity to, to do this. And, and it's something that, Honestly, I'm starting to feel a little bit of pressure. I mean, uh, you know, the the semifinalist list came out today, 25 guys. Certainly expected Calvin to be on there. But, you know, I had someone text me that said, hey, uh, you know, what's what's the status of Calvin? You know, he, he going to get in? You know, just uh, somebody who knows Calvin, you know, really well. And, yeah, uh, you know, and, and so it kind of hit me like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's up to me now. Like, I, I think he belongs there. And I've I've talked to many people about this, you know, his case um, over the last six months or so. Um, but you know, it's, you look at the history of wide receivers getting in on first ballot and there aren't many, I mean, it was Randy Moss before him, Jerry Rice before him, Steve Largent. So it's something that some pretty good receivers have had to wait their turn. So, um, I think Kelvin belongs in, I think he changed the game, you know, what he meant as a big receiver to the generation of receivers coming up now, how he produced despite, you know, not having much talent around him and despite every defense uh, knowing that he was going to get the ball um, to me, you know, that that's a hall of fame career. He put up some hall of fame numbers. He had some really good seasons, but uh, you know, I guess it's, I'm going to have to make the the pitch to the, uh, the selection committee here uh, the day before the super bowl. So I'm getting ready for that. Well, that's awesome too. And, you, and you're bang on because you know, the likes of, of a Tory Holt and, and Reggie Wayne are, are also sitting in this class now and um, you know, they're going to build their case for it as well. But you're right. You, you look at even in, in today's modern game and you look at, you know, the DK Metcalfs and and some of these uh, Justin Jefferson and these bigger receivers. Calvin paved the way for them. And, and, you know, sitting there saying, you know, a six foot five, 240, 250 pound man, you know, how can how can they play receiver? And Calvin Johnson showed uh, the fans, the NFL and everybody and proved them all wrong that a man that size can play receiver and do it quite well. I think, you know, you look at a lot of the receivers that come up now in high school, college, whatever, you know, they talk about, 
you know, baby Tron or, you know, they, they, Hey, he's the next mega, you know, Kelvin Johnson, he's the next Megatron. He's, you know, he's, he's this or he's that. And, and people get compared to Kelvin. And I remember talking to Alan Robinson about that at the Super Bowl last year that, you know, he's a bigger receiver, not, not nearly as big as Kelvin, but how much Kelvin was sort of the guy that he was able to hold up and, and say, yeah, I want to be like that. You know, I, I can play that position. So I do think that's a right for a lot of, a lot of young receivers, um, you know, Kelvin was sort of the, the defining talent of, of of this generation. You know, the guy that they looked at and said, I've got size, I can do what he does. And no one can, but at least he was the guy that made it possible in a lot of people's mind. Yeah, and, and you know, when, when Stafford got to town, um, finally had someone that could deliver the ball to them and kind of push them over the edge to, to really show all of the NFL and the entire um, audience out there that that watches the NFL that you know he was a top-notch receiver in the NFL for his entire career um, you know we know it lasted a little bit shorter than what we would have liked but what he did in those nine seasons was absolutely incredible and um, to me there's no doubt in my mind that he's a first ballot uh, NFL Hall of Famer and I know you'll make the case to get him in there you know what it's uh look you think about it right there's there's gonna be 15 semifinalists and Kelvin should certainly be in that class uh, Peyton Manning's going to get one spot. Charles Woodson's going to get one spot. So there's 13 guys that are, you know, sort of in the mix for those those other three spots. And I'm with you. I agree. I think Kelvin belongs in. But um, you know, there's a lot of people. Look, Tony Baselli, right? Uh, John Lynch, uh, Zach yep. Thomas. I mean, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of people that are deserving. So um, I understand the the situation that that Kelvin's in too. I think everyone. Um, you know, I've said this about a lot of people, right? Once you get in that room, you start getting talked about, uh, you know, you're, I, I think it's only a matter of time before you get in, but uh, yeah, I think Kelvin should get in on, on, on the first ballot. Awesome. Well, Dave, we, uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and um, from the Ginger and Dutch podcast, have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy. Uh, hopefully you can spend some time with your family, enjoy some football on Thursday and uh, hopefully the Lions can get a win here. Well, I don't know about the win. We'll uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, you know, I guess this is the team they should beat. But uh, hey, if nothing else, it's uh, it's a tradition here in Detroit. So, uh, yeah, football on on Thanksgiving is something that uh, that we love around here. And happy to join you guys. And uh, anytime, we'll do it again. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you. You got it. We'll talk to you again. All right, listeners. Hope you enjoyed that interview from Mr. Dave Burkett. Um, pretty wicked, cool Hall of Fame story, listeners. Welcome to our football roundtable here. We've got Dutch. We've got overtime with the old boy here. Boys, what did you think of the interview now that you had a oh, chance I loved to listen it, to it? it was, you know, what, what a snag. We're awesome, man. You know, I tell you, to get that local, you know, that local opinion, these guys are pounding the pavement, these local beat writers, man. Like, you're really getting, you know, type of content you can't get anywhere else, man. So good on you guys for, for you know, landing another big fish. That's great stuff, boys. I loved it. Yeah, you did. Uh, you did quite well, Ginger. And uh, just listening to him talk about the Hall of Fame um, and what what his involvement was uh, was unreal. And and it's got to be such a cool moment for him to be able to present probably his favorite, maybe next to a Barry Sanders favorite all time Detroit Lion. And there he is presenting to the other votees that this guy deserves to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, what what an honor for him. Pretty cool. What I wanted to run by you guys here, and, and let's start off our. Uh, uh, continue on that thread and start off our football roundtable here with with some Hall of Fame chat. We just got re- released tonight, uh, less than two hours ago. The semifinalists wanted to throw a few names out to you boys, specifically you Dutch, um, Peyton Manning. We know Calvin Johnson. How about your boy? Hog tie him up, baby. Put the cowboy hat on, Dutch. Jared Allen. Is he going to make it in? He will. Um... I don't know with that class if he's going to get in on the, on the first crack here, uh, but come on five pro balls. He, he played 12 seasons. Yeah. Four different teams, but the guy was unreal. 130 plus sacks. Yeah. I, I say he's in, but the other guys are uh, pretty damn good as well. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough class for sure. Oh boy. Our, our man, Steve Tasker still there. Cornelius Bennett. What do you think? They got a shot at all, or are they going to? Just like 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 Dutchie was saying, it's just a tough class, right? Like you look at the top, some of the guys here who are you know first time on the ballot, you know Peyton, Calvin Johnson, you know Charles Woodson, Jared Allen. There's a bunch of big names here, and then you go down that list, and some of the wide receiver depth here as well too, right? You know your Reggie Waynes, 
uh, you know, who else is Tory Holt? Like, there's a bunch of big name guys here. They've been around for a long time, putting up some big time points. But, you know, I guess Tasker is one of those names where this is the whole ultimate debate about, you know, where do you see special teams? You know, do you see it as one third of the game the way some, you know, coaches and media pundits will say, you know, there's the offensive side, the defensive side, and the special team side of the game, right? And, you know, he's arguably one of the best of all time, if not the best in that gunner position. And, and you know, he was a focal point for all those years in Buffalo. And, you know, special teams was key, right, in terms of, you know, big you know, sways in, in possession or just momentum within the game. Like, look at the Miami Dolphins, what they've been able to do the last couple of weeks here on special teams and defense, right? It's a huge part yeah. of the game. It's just, you know, Steve Tasker is one of these guys where I think there's definitely a, a portion of the community. They'll love to see him there. It's just going to be a real tough crowd this year. It's a real, you know, it's, it's a jam-packed crowd with a bunch of real big names. It's almost, it's one of these crowds too where, boy, you know, like to, you'd want to be in Canton. Like this is, you know, to see some of these guys inducted, to have not maybe potentially not have fans there to see these guys inducted, it'd be a, a massive shame if they can't be there. That's why, you know, I'm hoping we can kind of get an end of this sooner rather later so guys can be there to, to enjoy that moment. You know what I mean? So, Yeah, I agree. For sure. Well, boys, let's get into our little CC segment, our calamity and commotion. There was an awful lot of calamity, and we've we've talked enough about the Lions here. I want to pass this one over to uh, to Dutch. Dutch, what the hell happened? I can't do it, man. I can't do it. I can't keep talking about it. Oh, just, man. The listeners want to hear it, Dutch. We want to hear your thoughts. Uh, You know, they they just laid a dud on defense and, and, and struggled and, and relied way too much on, on Dalvin Cook. He had 27 attempts. They just – all they wanted to do was just keep pounding it. And they just – their defense is just so weak. Harrison Smith looked disinterested the whole game. He was, he was either trying to bait or he wasn't paying attention. It was one of his worst games I've seen as a, as a Minnesota Viking. And I, and I, love, I love him, but uh, they just didn't have enough and – I think it's it. Wrap it up. Pack it in. There, there. Uh, there's no chance. Uh, you know, they're gonna have to finish nine and seven, which means one more loss. That's it. I just, I just don't see it happening. I was extremely disappointed. Good for the Red Rocket because you know you got to go back a couple weeks. Yeah, three, four weeks ago before he hurt himself, and I was piping him up. So good for him, Cowboys. You suck. End of sentence. Pass it over now onto uh, onto the old boy here. Oh boy, is Lamar Jackson getting figured out? What's happening with the Baltimore Ravens? They're decimated, we know, this week uh, with COVID. I don't see them beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is going to be a 6-5 and five Baltimore Ravens squad fighting tooth and nail, fingernail for the playoffs now after an MVP season, MVP season from Lamar Jackson. What the hell is here's going a great, on Here's a great Lamar oh, Jackson stat for you. You know, you start digging through his performance the last couple of years, and you really start looking at the numbers. You know how many times this guy's thrown for more than 300 yards in a regular season game? Once. One time. Last year, week one, against that absolutely atrocious Miami Dolphins, week one, in a 59-10 to romp, it was his only time in his career where this guy's ever thrown for over 300 yards in a game, right? And, you know, let's be honest, man. It's a pass-happy league. You got a guy like Patty Mahomes this year. He's thrown for 300 yards more than six times already this season, right? So I just, you know, you look at this now, and the thing that scares me the most, man, is that he's not even being able to be as effective as a runner either, right? This year, like, you know, this past weekend, you know, 51 yards, 13 carries, and, you know, he only threw for 186 yards. And this was a Titans team that really has no pass rush at all, right? Up until this point, they, that team had only recorded 12 sacks on the season. So, you know, you get yep. last year, this guy cracked 100 yards on the ground five times. This year, once, right? And I think the thing that really concerns me now is, you know, look at guys in the past that have won the MVP and never really been the same after that point, whether it be a guy like Matty Ice or Cam Newton. They had that one good year where things really kind of click, and all of a sudden now, guys figure them out. And defenses are always going to, you know, they're going to get tape on you. They're going to figure you out. You know, the fact that Des Bryant's out wide trying to stretch the field, that scares the shit out of you because, you know what that means? It means that guys like Hollywood Brown can't get any kind of separation, and they're just too easy to game plan against these days. It's, it's Mark Andrews, and that's it. And now they can't run the ball. It's it's going to be trouble for them, man. They're yep. going to get buried this week. If the game even goes on and they have an actual active roster they can, they can field, they're going to get smoked in Pittsburgh, and this is going to be it for them. I think they're, they're not going to make the playoffs this year, I don't think. Yeah, and, and Ooh, you know what? Oh, there's a there's a hot take. There's the hot take of the week. 
Yeah, I, I kind of think he's, I kind of think he's right. I know we, we had him as playoffs, but we, we both said this, Ginger, about Lamar. We, 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 we knew once they figured out and once they locked down his running ability, he's, he just can't, th- he's just not good enough to throw the ball. He's, he's, he's not going to be a superstar. He's going to have some ups and downs, but man, they're struggling. I can't agree anymore with the old boy. I think they're going to be lights out. Oh, come on, boys. John Harbaugh, Greg Roman, they're going to they're gonna get this team to the playoffs. They're just too good of coaches. That defense is too good. There's too much pride there. They're going to find a way to get to squeak in, whether even be into that seventh spot. I think you guys are nuts. Okay, I'm going to switch over now to commotion. I'm going to rapid fire both of you and just hop in as you like. We're going to give you the three teams that I saw causing commotion. Number one, the Saints. Are they not the best team? Possibly in the NFL, if not the NFC. The Colts, huge win against the Packers. And are the Pittsburgh Steelers going to go undefeated? Okay, well, let me start here real quickly here. I want to just say the Saints, no, I do not believe they're the best team. I believe there's still a couple other teams in the NFC that are better than the Saints. Drew Brees, Come on, that's Hill. great and two. Michael Thomas. They yeah, got Taysom they're... Hill at quarterback. Yep, the record speaks as eight and two is their number one, but I, I still think there's a couple teams in there, including Ala the the Rams from last night who looked solid again. Like we said, they were starting to come. You, you can't count out Green Bay. Um, I don't know if there's I'm sold on that. The Colts, different story. Defense. Um, Philip Rivers is looking like he's Philip Rivers and he's just winning games and throwing the ball. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers. Hey, only the fourth team in 80 years to start 10-0. and 0. I think Buffalo beats them. I like that. Call. Oh! That's, that's my, I like that one as well, too. I'm I think Mark. that's where they slip up. I think that's that, you know, that game at Buffalo, that could be that could be the one that, you know, that they trip up on here. But, you know, here's my view on this whole Saints thing. I actually, man, this whole Taysom Hill experience, I don't know, man. I'm digging it. Like, I think, you know what? He has a different like, dimension than what Drew Brees can give, especially on the ground. And let's be honest, Drew Brees has been pushing the ball down the field. That's not part of his game. So as long as Hill can be accurate in that intermediate part of the field, and I love that, you know, he had some decent, you know, some decent uh, connections and, and some, you know, pretty good, uh, you know, early on his success rate with Michael Thomas, man. Like, he was getting going. He was getting the ball, a lot, of, a lot of targets his way. I love seeing that chemistry early on. And he just adds a different dimension. First of all, 11 broken ribs, man. First, when I heard that, I said, how many fucking ribs do you even have in your body to break 11 ribs? Like that, I was, I, he's not <laughs> yep. going to be coming back anytime soon. I think he's off for at least another couple of weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised. Like, listen, this is a massive stretch. And I'm not going to go ahead and say that Taysom Hill is Tom Brady reincarnate. But man, this does not feel like that whole Drew Bledsoe thing that happened years ago where you got your star guy. He gets fucking knocked out. And if the team's riding hot, man, I don't know. Maybe Sean Payton doesn't make a change when he comes back. Like, let's let's cross the road when we get there. But I think it's the defensive side of the ball for that Saints team, man. Like, who the fuck is Trey Hendrickson? Who is this cat, man? Like, nine and a half sacks, co-leading the league with Miles Garrett. Like, this kid, man, he's a nobody. He reminds me a lot of, we were talking about Jared Allen. You know, you got this, you know, big white boy from a small town spoiling guy went to like Florida Atlantic guys got nine and a half sacks he had another two in the weekend it's that defensive side of the ball which I think is still what's going to be the make or break difference for the Saints and then the Colts you're right man I think it's Phil Rivers if you can just keep it clean not turn the ball over I think they got something going on they got a nice run game with you get Taylor and Hines going I think they got a good shot going on and I think with Pittsburgh man it's that defense I think you know Bud Dupree and TJ Watt. I know you don't often want to see MVP votes handed out to the guys on the defensive side of the ball. Those boys are playing great football, man. They deserve to be there at the end of the year in that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I agree there for sure. Love it, boys. What a what a breakdown. I love it. Let's uh let's flip over because it's that time of year now. Um, we're gonna start looking at MVP voting and Pro Bowl voting and and uh, all these defensive players, offensive players. All this types of stuff. So let's start off with a what I think is a real closely tight race with a bunch of different candidates. Offensive rookie of the year. Dutch, I know you've got one of your guys close to your heart, but um, I'm going to throw a few names out at you guys who I think's involved in the race, and I want you guys to help break them down for me. We got Chase Claypool, Joe Burrow, unfortunately, obviously with the injury, Justin Jefferson. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Justin Herbert, and then some fringe guys in James Robinson, Brendan Ayuk, C.D. Lamb, 
boys, who's leading the vote? Who do you like? Who do you got as your leading candidates or your top three? Well, let me start. Let me start there, old boy. I'm going to just start right off the bat. You're going to take you're going to take everybody out except for these four guys, and three of them are wide receivers. And we're talking Claypool, Jefferson, C.D. Lamb. You start looking at stats. I'll throw them out in a minute to you. No doubt in my mind all day, Justin Jefferson's leading that category. You know, four touchdowns, 45 grabs, 850 yards. He's in the top 10 in a lot of those categories, top five in one. Uh, he's unbelievable. But my my vote right now is Justin Herbert. Listen, nine nine games, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. He's top 10 10th for th- 300 yards, um, top five in yards. He's averaging 300 yards a game, Dutch. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And I think absolutely 100% he's the – if he continues to roll, he's ahead of likes of guys like uh, Rodgers, Watson, even your boy Allen and, and Goff in stats right now. And that's – he's one game. I'm, I'm saying that if he if he plays that – once he plays that 10th game, if he averages what he's averaging, that's what it's going to be. So yeah, I think how can you go wrong there, right? Like this kid, it's you know he shows up at Oregon, and you know there's talks about who was going to be number one. I think it was really early on. It was going to be you know it was going to be Burrow for sure, and then it was that Tua Herbert conversation with Miami when they're on the clock there. This kid, man, it just he doesn't. He's not that big leader, rah rah, going to get in there in the huddle and, and rally up. But it's just lead by example. He's got a beautiful deep ball, and that instant chemistry with Keenan Island, man, like. You know, what do you have, like 12, 13 receptions over the weekend? As a Buffalo Bills fan, these guys are walking into town this week. I'd be concerned about those guys. Like, this is one of these games where I think you're going to see a similar outcome to that Seattle game where it's going to be a shootout, and I think it's going to be maybe the last possession wins this one here. But I think, man, Claypool, that kid, was it 10 touchdowns in his first 10 games? This, yeah. How can this cat, man, you know what he reminds me of? is This is that whole DK Metcalf thing all over again. You got a guy who blew up the combine, physical freak. And he falls down the draft board because he doesn't fit that that you know that that long, lean, you know, explosive type where he kind of go. You know, he's he's a work in progress where he's just he's such a physical freak of nature. And all of a sudden now he's in Pittsburgh and they're getting him open. And I'm excited about this kid. You know, what is Mapletron? I'm not sure if I'm buying that Mapletron type of name already. Here, it's only ten games in. But listen, man, this kid's something <laughs> special. And as a Canadian, you got to be proud about this guy. He's putting us on the map for sure, man. Yeah, I love, gonna, I, I love gonna, what he's doing there. I'm going to throw a name out, a sneaky name out there, and I, I know you, you kind of narrowed us down right off the hop to four, but and a guy that's not getting a lot of publicity, but how about James Robinson? 172 carries, 762 yards. He's got five touchdowns, 31 receptions. He's actually caught more balls than Edwards Alaire. Two touchdowns, more touchdowns than Edwards Alaire. This kid's getting no publicity. They've got no other playmakers other than DJ Shark down there. Who's even throwing the ball? Luton, um, Minshew, whoever. It doesn't even matter. He's the only kid making plays down there. I think he's got to be in that top four as well, James Robinson. The problem is this look at the record, and that's what everything goes comes about, and and that's why um, you know the voters. I know, play. but you got you got Herbert in there, and you got Jefferson also in your on your list. Yeah, they're not on winning football teams. No, you're 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 right. They're not, but they're they've they've won. That's why, like um, old boy talking about Claypool. You're right. Claypool's going to get a lot of recognition because of the team that he's playing for, for sure. Uh, but come on, the Jaguars are like. It's the franchise. Where are we it's going the there? Strength of the franchise, like they're they're arguably the, you know the dumpster fire of the NFL, right? That whole franchise is just an absolute disaster. So I think from from their perspective, listen, if you're sitting there and you're maybe going to end the season at maybe with one or two wins, you're going to be the hunt probably for a quarterback most likely. You've, this kid fell on your lap, man. Like what a nice piece to have now. You have this nice young, cheap, you know, little running back you can chew through for another you know, three or four years as you try and turn this thing around in Jacksonville. No, he's been a real nice, you know, nice surprise there. If anyone playing fantasy ball, this guy's been an absolute star. He's probably won your leagues because he's just been you know, so dynamic every week, getting touches, getting in the end zone. So, no, I, listen, man, you can definitely build a case. I'm just not sure the fan base or, or you know, the franchise is going to allow for it, unfortunately. So, yeah. Ah, there we go. Well, we got to chatting about quarterbacks, and I want to I wanna shift gears and, and get you guys onto uh, a quarterback that, that, Dutch and I have talked about 
old boy, you haven't had the opportunity to come on and talk about him, but we've got to talk about him right now, and we've got to talk about the quarterback situation down in Miami. What the hell is Brian Flores doing? I didn't like you when he made the move from to go to Fitz to Tua. Now, where are they at? He, he pulls him out of the game on Sunday with 10 minutes to go in Denver. Fitz is Fitz and throws the interception. How, how can they recover from this, and, and what the hell's going on down there in Miami? Well, listen, I'll, I'll start it off here. Oh, boy. It, you know, it's what are you? Are you going for it? Or are you just trying to have a, you know, a, a developmental year for not just two, but for the rest of the squad? Like coming into the beginning of this year, you know, they made some nice reinforcements in free agency on the defensive side of the ball. And then, you know, they're in the process of rebuilding that old line. But this was never about winning this year. Right. And I get it. You wake up and all of a sudden, you know, you've, you're on a little bit of a streak. You've got a couple wins in your belt. You're in around 500. And it's almost like these guys said, well, fuck it. We're playing with house money. Let's see what we got. And let's give the kid a shot. And uh, let's see how he, how he plays out. But I, you can't do this, man. Because now what are you doing to the kid's psyche, right? He's already going to be a little bit jittery. And all of a sudden now you yank him. And you got a guy like, you got a guy like Fitz Magic, which he know that Fitz has got that locker room. Everyone respects this guy. And all of a sudden he comes in. He's, you know, he's going to be able to read defenses a little bit better than Tua can. He's going to be able to go out there and you know, just take control over that huddle. You're, you're muddying things for no reason when really it's not about winning this year. Because even if you make the playoffs and you're, you know, maybe you're a wild card team, you're getting bounced in the first round. This is about being competitive for the next decade, not for this year. It's short sighted. They should have left the kid in there. You know, I think, you know, here, Dutch, or sorry, uh, Ginger, I'm thinking back to that, that game with, you know, Josh Allen's first year against Green Bay. Absolute fucking dumpster fire. Guy had a couple picks. I think mean, he was like under 50% completion at Lambeau Field, just looking like a pile of shit. But, Sean never went out there and yanked him. He said, this is, my, this is our guy. This is our guy either, you know, and one game, one sample size. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to go ahead and make a harsh decision and ruin this, this kid's confidence. Because you know what? And we can have a whole separate conversation. We want to talk about confidence. Look what's going on in Philly right now with Carson Wentz. It's an example of that. When you start crushing a guy's confidence, what can happen is performance over the long term, right? That's, my, that's how I could potentially see this thing playing out with Tua if they're not, you know, careful with it in the next little bit. So. Woo, woo, you are fired up. Oh, boy, I love it. Um, let's not even talk about Carson Wentz, but but I want to go back to what you were saying about they're not going to win. And that's what I was talking with Ginger, and he disagreed with me a few weeks back when, when this all shook down. So we both had good points to the story. Is I said, you know what, go ahead and give him a go. Um, well, no, why? We're, 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 we're winning right now. we got a winning record. But you're right. You're both right. They, they, they gotta leave him in there. You can't do what you're doing there. You, if they don't start him now, this could be a disaster because frankly, he has been a disaster. If you look at his stats, yeah, they've won their games, but he has not been, he's been below average. He's been below the, the bottom 10 quarterbacks in, in the league each week. His stats are terrible. But no, but how do you, how do you at six and three, how do you answer to the veteran players, the Kyle Van Noy's? Some of these hired guns that that Flores has brought in from from New England and other teams alike. How do you how do you answer to them when you're six and three and you're still in a football game and they know that the the best chance to win is sitting on the bench? They don't care, and that's the sad part. They don't care, and clearly that's why they did it. They wanted to see what they had in their boy, and that's the bottom line. So yeah, oh, we're gonna piss off some of the vets. Do you honestly? Do they think, especially in a year with no fans, with no none of this big revenue and none of this big, you know, everything happening down in Miami, they they know they're not a Super Bowl contender, let alone a, a playoff, like a big playoff contender. Um, and then they found themselves in it to a defense, like like, like uh, Nick said, uh, their defense spouts off for three straight weeks and pretty much wins them and puts them. We were talking last week, oh, my gosh, the, the last game of the season is going to be uh, for the division, and it still very well might be, but ah, they, they, they kind of blew it, and they're all over the place right now. And well, like said, here's another little side plot kids. for you, and I, I want to get your, your feedback and your color on it is, this this whole kind of conspiracy that was going around the internet about how, given that Miami has that Houston first round pick as well, and the fact that the Texans up until last week were sitting at two wins on the year, you know, how much of this was also knowing what you had in this kid, and whether or not you knew if you had to move on or not next year, knowing you could go ahead and parlay a couple of those first and go get one of these other kids, the Justin Fields, the uh, the Trey Lance, the Zach Wilsons at a BYU, make a change. And go get another guy, knowing that you still have you still have ammunition in the in the in, you know 
in your pocket if you want to go use some draft capital next year if Tua's not the guy. Because you know what, man, this whole thing with his hip, and you never know how he's going to pan out and how he's going to perform, right? So I, I almost wonder if there's something there as well, too, where Miami's like, listen, let's throw him in, and if he's not our guy, well, then we're moving on. Yep. It's, it's kind of what happened with, with, with Rosen, right, in, in Arizona. Yep. It's, listen, you're not our guy. We're going to go and get Kyler the next year. You just, you know, that's it. One year, and all of a sudden, we're on to the next, you know, yep. you know, the next girl at the dance, right? Away you go. So, yep, you, you, you package him and, and that Houston pick, and you move up and you go get that's one of it, those man. QBs. So, I'm wondering if there's some the of that guy. there, right? If, if Miami falls apart down the stretch and this kid can't, you know, can't cut it, I don't know, man. Don't be surprised if they cut bait because they've invested so much in that defensive side of the ball. That defense is ready to win now. You go out and you get a couple other big-time weapons on the offensive side of the ball and show up that old line and you get a kid back there who can perform. All of a sudden now, man, you're right in the hunt in that AFC East, right? So, I don't know. I'm, I can't wait to see how that thing develops. So, it's a definitely a nice little interesting subplot there for sure. Well said. Boys. Well said. Yeah. Boys, what a, what a little uh, – our first inaugural football roundtable here. Well done, fellas. Oh boy, we're gonna uh, we're gonna give the listeners what they want. Uh, we're gonna we're cut bait with you, and we're gonna get on to our picks of the week. Is there any teams? Uh, give us one team that you like this week uh, on the on the uh, the betting side well, that you think has got a good know, chance to. Cover this is it. one of my favorite weeks of the year because I love that those, those three Thanksgiving games, man. It's every year it's tradition, you know. Especially now, you know, working from home to be able to have the games on the background while you're you know while you're chipping away at stuff. But I think, man, last week again, Dutchie, I'm sorry to bring it up again, but. I think with the Red Rocket back under center and with the rest of the NFC just blowing up around you, although, you know, listen, the Giants and the Skins are, or the football team, whatever they're called now, are, are hanging tight. I think Jerry's boys at home laying three. I think there's enough there. I'm just not sure if Washington can keep up with them offensively, and I think there's enough now that they got a little bit of their mojo back in Dallas. I wouldn't be surprised if they go on a little bit of a run now and they win that one by at least a couple scores. I think that, that would be a game I'd be circling on that opening night uh, as something I'd be looking at if you can get them at, you know, minus three or better. So I absolutely love it. I love it. It, it didn't make my little card, but I, I love it. It's making my betting sheet for sure. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Uh, it's time for our turn. We had a final finally, we had a, an absolute record week. Uh, Ginger goes three and oh, two and one for me. We're, we're right in this thing. Five and one Back at 500 Dutchie. That's it. And we're getting there. You, you're rocking and rolling. And, uh, and again, thanks again, old boy. Uh, we'll fire these picks up. You want to go first uh, there, Dutch? Since, uh, or sorry, Ginger, since you were at boom, boom, 3-0. and oh. For sure. I'll start us off, and, and I'm going to follow in right in behind the old boy there. I love the Cowboys on Thursday afternoon in that mid-time slot. They've got too much offensively for Washington to handle. Love the comeback story with Alex Smith, but it's just not enough on that side of the ball for Washington. I'll lay the three points with the Cowboys, and I think that's my lock of the week. I'm also going to go with a team that's in flux, and that's the New England Patriots. Don't like what they're doing. Losing to Houston 27-20 last week. I'm taking Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals to cover two and a half against a banged up, beat up, and just about done lying on the mat New England squad. I like the Cardinals minus two and a half. And Monday night, we talked about Carson Wentz quickly there. Uh, Philly's just in shambles. Peterson can't get his his quarterback's confidence back. Um, scrambling on the play call side. Can't get a running game going. Defensively, they're not the same Philly squad we're used to. I like Russell Wilson coming into town. Minus six. They win by a touchdown easy. Those are my three picks of the week. I think you might just go uh, 3-0 and again. I'm glad that you took out. You threw me for a loop. I know you, you had another game that was kind of going to make your card, and you uh, you took it out. We won't talk about it because I didn't like your pick, so I think you could go 3-0. and I'll go real quickly. We're going Road Warrior. What a great movie that was. We're going Road Warrior Edition. So I'm going with the Houston Texans, minus 2.5. They're playing those said Detroit Lions that Laid a bagel last week, so I'm taking the Houston Texans. Watson looked great last week. He did. Here I go again. I'm coming off of a bye. It didn't work out so well last time I tried this, but um, they won two in a row. Poor Joe Burrow's out the door. Uh, you know, hope a uh, speedy recovery. Hope he's back for next season. It was a, a, an absolute uh, um, terrible injury. The New York football Giants, minus five and a half. I just think that that the Bengals are just going to pack it in. 
And uh, I think that's an easy one. Monday night, what can we say? So bad, so bad, so bad, Mr. Carson Wentz. Um, and I've said it for years. Uh, I just didn't think he was there. What are they going to do? They can't cut him. $59 million of it would be dead money. They just can't Ooh. do it. So these guys are all getting fired at the end of the season. Seattle Seahawks run wild. Russell Wilson quite possibly has the best game. I need him in fantasy. Boom, the Seattle Seahawks minus five and a half. That's my picks. Love it. Love the picks for the week. Thanks again to Dave Burkett for coming on. Detroit free press writer, Lions beat report writer, Hall of Fame voter, giving us an inside look at the uh, the Detroit Lions as they lead into Thanksgiving. Thanks to the old boy. Overtime with the old boy coming on, doing our first ever football roundtable. Thanks for him for coming on. Amazing episode. Listeners, enjoy some Thanksgiving turkey football on Thursday. Hope you have a chance to watch. And thank you very much. Dutch, any closing thoughts for us? No, he stole them all. Happy Thanksgiving to my American friends. And thanks for tuning in to the Ginger and Dutch podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch.